Welcome to the Lightly Salted Podcast. These are the readings and sermons of St. John's Lutheran Church of Park Rapids, Minnesota. They are offered so that the Word of God would shape and strengthen you to be what He calls you to be, salt and light. You can find us at stjohnspr.org. Now, on to the Word. Our first reading for this, the fourth Sunday after the Epiphany, is recorded for us in the book of Deuteronomy, the 18th chapter. It's this wonderful little piece of God promising to raise up another leader like Moses, a promise that is fulfilled uh, first and foremost in raising up Christ. I also had an opportunity when I was at seminary to preach a chapel sermon, and God like served up the perfect text because this was the text speaking to a whole bunch of guys wanting to go out into ministry and serve God through his church. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. It is him, to him you shall listen. Just as you desire to the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly when you said, let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God or see this great fire anymore, lest I die. And the Lord said to me, they are right in what they have spoken. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I commanded him. And whoever will not listen to my words that he shall speak in my name, I myself will require it of him. But the prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name that I have not commanded him to speak, or who speaks in the name of other gods, that same prophet shall die. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our epistle reading is recorded for us in Paul's letter to the Corinthians, the eighth chapter. Concerning food offered to idols, we know that all of us possess knowledge This knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. If anyone imagines that he knows something, he does not yet know as he ought to know. But if anyone loves God, he is known by God. Therefore, as to the eating of food offered to idols, we know that an idol has no real existence and that there is no God but one. For although there are many so-called gods in heaven and on earth, as indeed there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is one God, the Father from whom all things and from whom are all things and for whom we exist, and one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom are all things and through whom we exist. However, not all possess this knowledge, but some through former association with idols, eat food as really offered to an idol, and their conscience, being weak, is defiled. Food will not commend us to God. We are no worse off if we eat, do not eat. We are no better off if we do. But take care that this right of yours does not somehow become a stumbling block to the weak. For if anyone sees you who have knowledge eating in an idol's temple, 
Will he not be encouraged if his conscience is weak to eat food offered to idols? And so by your knowledge, this weak person is destroyed. The brother for whom Christ died. Thus sinning against your brother and wounding their conscience when it is weak, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if food makes my brother stumble, I will never eat meat, lest I make my brother stumble. This too is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I invite the congregation to please stand as we join in the Alleluia and verse on the bottom of page 205. The Holy Gospel according to St. Mark, the first chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. They went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath, Jesus entered the synagogue and was teaching. And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority and not as the scribes. And immediately there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are. You are the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice, came out of him. And they were all amazed. So that they questioned among themselves, saying, Who is this? A new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits and they obey him. And at once, his fame spread everywhere throughout the surrounding region of Galilee. This is the Gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Please be seated as we join in our sermon hymn. Grace, peace, and mercy be unto you from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You know, growing up, there was nothing I hated more than having to get stuck babysitting my two younger siblings, about six and seven years younger than me. See, which is odd when you think about because growing up for me, I can recall multiple occasions being left home alone, fending for myself for food, even if it was a, opening up a can of cold baked beans. Now, usually this would only happen whenever my parents would go out for either a date night, shopping for groceries, or whatever. See, my older siblings would go see their friends as soon as they left, and I would be stuck with my younger siblings. You know, which meant making them food, because they would not eat the cold baked beans, as I said before, or the boiled deer brats that I really enjoyed. So here I am, age... 12, 13, forgive me. Making mac and cheese for the very first time. And I got to say, it was a mess. Not only did I burn it, the spoon got stuck because as I'm cooking it, the macaroni gelled up so much, it looked like glue. And I turned to them and said, would you guys eat this? You should have seen the looks on their face. Thankfully, grandma was just a call away and only two miles away from the house. But see, it was after this experience that I questioned my parents. Why do I have to get stuck with this? 
Why do I have to watch them? Well, the older two can go and see their friends and do whatever they want. Now, for anyone who's ever had siblings, you know exactly what that is like. It is so tempting to just think about yourself. You know how to feed yourself. You know how to clean up, take care of the dishes, take care of the chores, get your homework done, and get to bed by a reasonable time. So why can't some people just take care of themselves? I don't get why that has to be my job. I don't get why I have to focus all my time and energy making sure that others are taken care of. Why can't I just think and take care of me? See, there's this phrase spoken from Cain there in the garden. He says to God, after God asks him, where is your brother Abel? And Cain responds, am I my brother's keeper? Now, sure, Cain meant this only about his brother, whom he just killed and hid and lied before the Lord. Now, this is not to make the comparison that we are murderers like Cain. But let us look at this phrase from a different way. Am I my brother's keeper? You know, in this eighth chapter of his first letter to the Corinthians, Paul makes something very clear to them. Just as an older brother was a lookout for his younger siblings, so too does a mature Christian look out for those who are still weak in the faith. See, the problem that started to arise that mature Christians had no problem eating food, anything offered to idols, stone images made of either polished stone or metal. Because they knew, they knew that there, that is nothing except stone, rock, or smithed metal from down the road. They knew that. But for those who are either new to the faith or yet not, you're not yet mature, they would see the eating from those different idols and doubt would start to take root. And they'd become convinced, oh no, am I doing something wrong? Is there something that needs to change? Which led to many other issues for them. But listen to what Paul says in this matter. He says, however, not all possess this knowledge, but some through former association with idols eat food as really offered to an idol and their conscience being weak is defiled. Food will not commend us to God. We are no worse off if we become a stumbling block to the weak. We are no worse off if we do not eat and no better off if we so do. But take care that this right of yours does not somehow become a stumbling block to the weak. For if anyone sees who have knowledge eating in an idol's temple, will he not be encouraged? If his conscience is weak to eat food offered to idols, and so by your knowledge this weak person is destroyed, the brother for whom Christ died, thus sinning against your brothers and wounding their conscience when it is weak, <coughs> you sinned against Christ. You know, although Paul does not use this phrase, am I my brother's keeper? He makes a point in this section of his letter to the Corinthians that they are to take care of each other, working to ensure that each one does not falter in their faith. Least of all, become a stumbling block to a fellow Christian. Have you ever thought about that before? 
being a stumbling block to another Christian? Now, this is not the same as removing the log from your eye and talking about the, the little sliver in someone else's. Nor is it the same as chopping off a body part in case it causes you to sin. A stumbling block is that random rock that somehow, some way, manages to get right in front of you as you're walking and causes you to fall. Or the sidewalk that decided to grow a few inches during the winter. But this stumbling block can have a negative effect on a person. It can cause them distress, plant seeds of doubt, bring a halt to their growth in the faith. And what exactly might cause this? Well, anything. See, there can be differences over food, as Paul makes clear here in his letter. It could be over infant baptism between different denominations in Christianity. The use of the language to choose Christ as my personal Lord and Savior between different denominations. It can be over beer, such as the friends and family who are appalled that I, as a pastor, am allowed to have alcohol. But yet, on the other hand, Christians use these disagreements to shame fellow Christians. Would you believe that? Christians shaming one another over what beer you buy, what coffee you get, what pop brand you support, or dictating which business is allowed to have your money, or deciding from whom we're allowed to take free money from. And the list could go on. Is that the point where we're at? As Christians, shaming one another because we won't agree on which stumbling block is an actual stumbling block. Perhaps you and I, and indeed all Christians, need to reconsider that phrase. Am I my brother's keeper? See, all Christians have a working knowledge that there is only one God. That there is not three lords, but one Lord. We know that idols, what are idols today? We know that they are made of stone, made of metal, made of, of plastic or paper but we know that they are just as fake as Paul made clear all those years ago. They're just objects. Yet there's knowledge that can only get us so far. This knowledge has to move from our head to our heart, become part of what we believe, teach, and confess in our, in our faith, but ultimately seen in our love toward one another. See, it's not shaming one another over products we buy or goods we ingest. For as Christ said, it's not what goes in that defiles the body, but what comes out. See, the only way that you and I can ensure the maturing of a faith and a Christian is to build each other up in knowledge and in love. And that is the point that Paul is making here in his letter to them. As he writes, now concerning food offered to idols, we know that all of us possess knowledge. This knowledge puffs up, but loves Build up. If anyone imagines that he knows something, he does not yet know as he ought to know. But if anyone loves God, he is known by God. The importance is not about the knowledge that we have, 
but the love that we have for building one another up. See, there's nothing wrong with having this knowledge. But this knowledge can lead us to boast. Thinking that somehow we are closer in our relationship to God because we know better than our fellow Christian. But that is simply not the case. Paul directs our attention away from that notion, away from the false sense of boasting to something that is real. He reminds the Christians in Corinth that yet there is one God, the Father, for whom all are all things, and for whom we exist, and one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom are all things, and through whom we exist. Paul turns our attention away from boasting, away from being proud in themselves, back to the core of what it is that they have come to believe, and that their existence is only because of Christ, that everything they have come to enjoy the freedom of being, bur- being removed from the burden of sin, guilt, or the need to partake in the festivals. They don't have to do any of that because of the love of Christ, that freedom from such burdens in this life and in the next. But it doesn't end there. See, they are to take that same love and show it towards fellow Christians who are still weak in the faith. And indeed, to anyone who is part of the faith. See, it's amazing how Paul works to recorrect the thinking of the Corinthians here. How instead of boasting in themselves, the attention is redirected to their neighbor, fellow Christians. But he doesn't do this as shaming as he does in the Galatians or in other letters of his. He calls them all foolish Galatians, or saying, let them be accursed. He does it differently. He's not, he doesn't become frustrated, annoyed. Rather, he points them back to Christ. Always, always back to Christ. Pointed back to the love that he has shown to all of creation. A love that is focused on others. A love that worked with others when they were burdened by such guilt. A love that Christ expects to be expressed from you, from me to you, and you to others. A love that is to be shown in the Christian faith, no matter what. Thus the phrase, am I my brother's keeper, means something so much more than what Cain said in retaliation to God. It means that indeed, truly, you and I are to keep one another. No, not behind lock and key, as tempting as that might be. But keeping one after one another. Continually building each other in the faith. Working with each other. Helping each other to not stumble. To not be boastful in yourself because of the knowledge that you have. But to take that knowledge and that love of Christ and to share it with your fellow Christian. To enjoy this time together. Don't let it become a stumbling block over the things that you buy or the things that you ingest. Don't let this issue settle and deal, make your stomach sour. But deal with it. Work together in this endeavor. This is Paul's whole point. For the sake of your brother or sister in Christ, consider 
how your actions will affect them. Be ever watchful of whatever it is that you do in your daily tasks, how you are at work, how you are at home. Consider the work that you have been given. Consider the work that you've been tasked with to build one another up in the faith. What an honor it is to be my brother's keeper. You know, thinking back all those years ago to that day I made the glue mac and cheese. You know, I wish, you know, I wish those words I didn't say to my parents. Because in the years that followed, I have learned what a joy it was to actually help my siblings grow, take care of them, and to see them mature in themselves and in their faith as well. Perhaps being my brother's keeper is not such a bad thing after all. Amen. Thanks for listening to Lightly Salted. We'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at stjohnspr.org or look for us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Our thanks to Eric Medeish at soundimage.org for Morning Jew. God's blessings.